You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Ruthie's Table 4, a production of iHeartRadio and Atomize Studios. The films of Olivia Coleman have the power to move us to tears, make us laugh, and inspire us to try something new. They can also make us feel really, really hungry. In The Favorite, playing Queen Anne, Olivia Coleman conveys her authority by insisting on a cup of over-rich hot chocolate, and there are tables laden with roasted venison, lamb, cakes, desserts, the symbols of wealth and privilege. None for the Queen. What? Well, you cannot have hot chocolate. Your stomach, the sugar inflames it. Abigail, hand me that cup. Do not. I'm sorry, I do not know what to do. Oh, fine, give it to her. Then you can get a bucket and a mop for the aftermath. I met Olivia over food one night in the River Cafe. She was with my friend Maggie Gillenall, and they'd just wrapped filming for their movie, The Lost Daughter in Greece. It is not an exaggeration to say they pretty much ordered everything on the menu. We immediately got into talking about feeding our kids, cooking, and inflicted distance from family when working. This was a conversation that could have lasted for hours, but I had to go back to the kitchen, and she needed to finish her lemon pasta before it cooled down. Today, we're here in the River Cafe, and she is the one who's been cooking the lemon pasta. Now, we're going to pick up where we left off, a conversation with a woman I admire, I respect, and I adore. Lucky me. Oh, that was the best introduction. <laughs> Thanks, well, It's true, it's true. So you're in the River Cafe kitchen yeah. with Alex, who's on the section called Hearts 2, which does pastas. So what was it like? What did you Just think? lovely. You chose for your recipe tagatelli with lemon, cream, and parsley. Mm. And I wonder if you would like to read it. 400 grams tagliatelle, mold and salt and coarsely ground black pepper, 300 mils double cream, 120 grams unsalted butter, softened, zest and juice of four juicy lemons, six tablespoons roughly chopped flat leaf parsley, 150 grams of grated parmesan. This is one you you chose, sure. Yeah, I mean, it it is absolutely lovely and classic. And I think sort of as you start at the beginning of this time of year, as you know, sort of starting to be a bit more light in summary, but still when it's slightly miserable weather. Have I picked something too easy for you? No, no, this is great. This is fantastic. (laughs) What we want to do is we basically just get everything in in the pan that we need. So we're going to have a bit of butter, a bit of of cream. In a large, thick-bottomed saucepan, gently heat the cream. When warm, add the butter, lemon juice and zest. Stir briefly together, then remove from the heat. Cook the tagliatelle in a generous amount of boiling salted water until al dente, and then drain. Stir into the warm cream and season. Add half the parsley and toss together. I was, I was uh, going to say, actually, do, do not, you want to, like, toss it? Or can I... What, have you know, a go? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, I feel like, sorry, that's a bit premature, oh, you know. Yeah. So we've still got a bit of, you know... There you go. If you Thank just sort you. of give it a good old... Oh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, there we go. Sorry, so I've made that bit of a mistake. Serve immediately on warm plates with the remainder of the parsley and the parmesan. As it cools, it will sort of thicken up a little bit and then a little bit of parmesan on top, and that's sort of what we're looking for. Lovely, it looks pretty. Oh that my is god. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. What did you observe? Just, it, yeah, just amazing. Good. He said you cooked it. You actually did Well, the, I think you know, he's lying. He did. No, he did. <laughs> I definitely it's watched him do it. It's not easy to go into a He kitchen. let me do that. Oh, he did, the tossing. Yes. Yeah. Did you catch it? Yeah. Um, well, I did make a bit of a mess of your floor. I'm terribly Uh-oh. sorry. Oh, dear. Okay, sorry. we'll go. I'm I did say I cleared it up, but I just clearly <laughs> wandered off. No, he didn't want to. Do you see food and your ability to eat well as a kind of measure of your success? People very often see that, uh, that we've talked to would say that yeah. as their success increased, they measured it by being able to go to a good restaurant, have Absolutely. a better bottle of wine, even not have to look at the right-hand side of, for the prices before they looked at what they yeah. wanted to eat. You yeah, know? the difference is... How is that? Yeah. How is that measured in your career? I remember we've got a close group of actor friends that, that we all... Uh, we're at drama school together and we've all stayed very close mm. but when we first left drama school sometimes we'd go to you know a pub for someone's birthday to eat mm. and it was very much sort of how about should we share that all of us were you know mm. really there wasn't lots, lots of money going around mm. and and renting terrible places and um trying to share something between sure. us or uh if we club together and buy one bottle and then we could always get something from the offie on the way home mm. and have more to drink because it's cheaper at home um, and then cut to, you know, years later, I could say, let's all go out for dinner, my shout. Yeah. Or, you know. What did you eat after you had the Oscar? Well, <laughs> was that celebrated with food? No, I think that was entirely booze. How booze? <laughs> <laughs> you could do another programme called, uh, you know. Booze. Booze. <laughs> yeah, what was that like? I think I was so out of it sort of I couldn't believe what had happened you, you did seem very shocked by that. yes and why why were you so surprised I didn't think I I'd get it you know the first time I'd been nominated and mm. we were so proud of the film and everything but I just thought that that's never gonna happen mm. that's oh it makes me feel emotional just yeah, it was such a ridiculous thing to have happened in a way yeah I can't believe it still can't quite believe that happened oh it did yeah. yeah, and so, so I just, you, I, so you I just couldn't eat just, afterwards. I, yeah. Um, do you? Are you an emotional eater? Do you eat when you're happy or sad? Do you just, both. Yeah, <laughs> both. Yeah. yeah, I do love, you know, the comfort foods or yeah, hot butter toast. Mm. Butter plays a big part. I love part butter in, too. Oh, yeah. I love butter. Yeah. Toast is basically just a vehicle for butter. I agree. My mother-in-law used to say that butter is the best cheese. <laughs> you know, she treated it like cheese. Yes. You, know, you just have a piece of slab of butter until oh. she decided that it was it would kill you. So then oh. I was never allowed to cook with butter after that. But oh. um, it is really, yeah, I like it. Exactly. And when you make a film, when you, like for instance, going to Greece, when you made um, The Lost Order. What, with Maggie. Well, Maggie loves two, food. Yeah. All of the cast were in the same hotel. Maggie had a little house separately because she had to do grown-up things, mm. like think about the next day. Mm. And uh, we were all quite badly behaved. Who were the, who you with? You so you? me, Jesse, Dakota, Dakota Johnson, Jesse Buckley, Dakota Johnson, Paul Meskell, yeah. Ollie Jackson-Cohen, yeah. um, Dagmara Dominchik. Who else? I feel awful if I'm missing anyone else out. But we were all together mm. and 
quite badly behaved. Good. And eating, we knew exactly the menu because we'd all been in the same hotel for, I think, six weeks. So we mm-hmm. knew the menu back to front. Mm. And they were very sweet and would do very... But they was, I remember they had a, a deconstructed feta in a Greek salad. So it was a really different feta, not a solid one, mm. but quite a soft one, mm. laid out sort of prettily rather than, you know, what, what I remember from childhood holidays to Greece, mm. which is great big chunks of everything in a bowl. Mm. Oh, I've even got pictures of the food. It, and they did a ceviche, something with mango and... Mmm, <laughs> lovely things. This is when you were in Greece. In Greece, no, sorry, in yeah. the hotel, no, yeah. in the po- Poseidonian. And your parents had taken you to Greece as well. Yes, we did go to Greece as, a, yeah. as, yeah, as kids. Yeah. And, oh, I remember then eating... Octopus. I couldn't eat octopus now because I've, you know, yeah. the, you know, my octopus teacher and learning so much about how clever they are. I can't yeah. do it anymore. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, you eat it straight out of the sea, so fresh yeah. and squid. And so, did your parents travel with you when you were a kid? Did you go no, on trips? No, they weren't really travellers. But my dad's best friend moved to Naples when I was twelve. Oh. I don't think they'd ever been to Italy, and mm. we decided to go, and we stayed with them. Um, was my, it in the summer? Yes, in the summer we went to Ischia. Mm in the Bay of Naples and just had, because they lived there and he'd married an Italian woman, we had incredible food. We went mm. to amazing restaurants and we didn't know what we were doing. So he would trust me and yeah. he would order something yeah. of everything yeah. and try these beautiful things. We went to little restaurants in people's houses in the hills. What year was this? Uh, when I was 12, I was born in 74 and I can't yeah. do maths. Yeah, so that's so 82. Well done. No, 12. No, 12. I can't do maths 18. either. 74, 86. How long did it take us to add 12 to 74? <laughs> okay, so 86. Yeah, that's just a year before we started here. Wow. And it's interesting that, you know, your first introduction to Italian cooking was Southern. You know, yeah. it's so regional, isn't it? That yeah. the difference, had you gone to Venice, you would have had completely different food. Yeah. You know? And I love the food of southern Italy. I did that last year. I went sailing in that area. And oh, it was, did you? And it's lemons and basil yeah. and, you know, fish. Fresh. And, yeah, fresh. Mm. Really good. So let's go back to the beginning. Yes. Born in Norfolk. Yes. Yeah. Not really a f- family of foodies. We Food was always love. We'd always mm-hmm. sit together and So you had eat. dinners every... Yeah, no. I mean, a lot of... Uh, my mum was a nurse. Mm. Often she'd come in, it would be quick. We might mm. sit on the sofa, watch mm. telly with food mm. on our laps. And, you know, Doctor Who, all those mm. things. Um, but when people came round, it was an excuse for my dad to open a bottle of wine and entertain and... And who would do the cooking then? Would he ever cook? He, My mum did the cooking. She never really loved cooking. Mm. And her mum, I remember my granny, sort of dreaded people coming round. And we'd always have... Salmon, slightly overcooked salmon, new potatoes, and green beans. I think that was it. Every mm. time I went to my granny's house, mm. and uh, but then my mum, whenever anyone came for a dinner party, I can just remember cod mornay. Oh yeah, that's with cheese and kind of creamy sauce. Yeah, and that, yeah. spinach. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And new potatoes, it, as simple as possible. She really didn't want to spend much time. Fair and enough. then after that trip to Italy, my dad decided he wanted to get involved. Yeah. And started to look particularly pastas and things. That's and nice. What did he do? What was his he was a, a surveyor, chartered okay. surveyor. But he quite liked the uh, glass of wine, yeah. cooking, feeding everybody. He wasn't great, but he was enthusiastic. Yeah. <laughs> I think it is hard for a woman who was a nurse, you know, yeah. to think about... Did she work nights? 
By the time I came along, she wasn't doing nights because she mm. wasn't working in the hospital. She was working on the district. Mm. So um, I can't even remember. She must have been on call if someone needed her mm. at night time. But she worked Christmas Day. You know, she always took the shifts that she knew other people didn't really want to do, I think. And, and your grandmother lived near you? Often I'd go and stay there if, if mum and dad were very busy. I'd mm. go and stay with my granny. Mm. And she always had uh, orange club biscuits in her cupboard. I was going to say, what are your memories of your grandmother? My grand orange club biscuits, Ribena, hilariously, yeah. by my bed. Yeah. So that's sugar yeah. all night. Well, I, I probably they didn't think about that much. No, no, yeah. not at all. And you know, the teeth all... look pretty okay. Thanks. So. <laughs> <laughs> so the memories. What about your father's mother and father? Did she they... was an amazing baker. Ah, my, there we go. We was... found someone in the. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, what did she make? Um, just, there was always, she had a little larder and she'd always go, go on, have a little look in the cupboard there, go mm. on. And there was always be a little bit, a little bit of cake. I made you a little mm. bit of something or um, shortbreads, fruitcake, which I'd never liked. So she'd always make me a little chocolate cake and yeah. just, we were always allowed to go in and help ourselves. So growing up, uh, Norfolk is in the sea, well, yeah. the only place in Britain. Incredible seafood. We used to, also our holidays were also camping in Norfolk, just a few miles away from where we actually lived, mm. but on the coast, and we'd um, camp in a campsite and pick samphire. We In Norfolk we call it samphire, mm. and when I first saw it written down on a menu in London, it said samphire. Yeah. I had no idea what that That's was. That's how I thought it was pronounced, yeah. samphire. I thought it was spelt as a kid, S-A-N-F-E-R, samphire. Okay. yeah. But... Um, I think that's just the Norfolk way of saying mm. it. But um, the way we ate it as well was, so shake off the mud in the seawater and it's sort of blanched, but it's still, so you keep the um, roots the on it. kind of thing. Yeah, and you just yeah. dip it in butter and pull it like that so you get oh. the meat off the meat, oh. yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we'd always just have it like that. You'd never have it with something else. You'd eat it. Yeah. That's how we ate it. We'd take that little twig off at the bottom and then we blanch it but we always and put it with a fish you know yeah. we do it with turbot and yeah and sea bass it's great it's a yeah. short season though isn't it you yeah don't have it for very long. i think you're not allowed to pick it anymore we used to oh, really go and pick it just mm. go to the beach pick it off the marshes nice and fish and fish yes we used to go cockling as well mm -hmm. and mussels i have always loved mussels yeah. oh and that creamy garlicky yeah dunk bread in it yeah mm. I did my first school play when I was 16 and suddenly I'd always been so rubbish at everything at school and then suddenly did a play and went, oh, a light went on. And yeah. I went, I love this. Yeah. I wonder if I could do this. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't know anyone who did it. I assumed you had to come from that place in order to do it. So sort of had a secret yearning yeah. but never said it. And then I went to Homerton, which was a, a, I think still is a teacher training mm. college in Cambridge, but I left after a term or so, mm. so I never, um, they call it matriculation when you become part of the university, but I never did that. Mm -hmm. So I was never part of the university and I left because okay. I just couldn't do it. And then went off to the town of Cambridge and ended up working as a cleaner there for years. Um, and I had a bicycle, I was the same age as everyone else, nobody questioned me and I went, cycled around, and yeah. went to lectures to Did other you? people, so I went oh, to an architecture lecture. True. Went to a, an EU law lecture with when I was 
totally in, desperately in love with Ed and just you, trying to... You were being an actor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nigella Lawson, a friend of mine, you know, she worked as a cleaner in hotels in Florence for, I think, no two way. years. And she said it was the most revealing job you could have, particularly in a hotel. I yeah. think the way people left their rooms or the oh, things they brought with them. And so, so you did that for how long? Yeah, a couple of years. Yeah. Um, and then did a secretarial course. That was my mum's suggestion that yeah. if you're going to be an actor, you need something to fall so back on. So you knew then that you, this so is by then, you... yeah, I had done... Uh, in Cambridge, there's about 30 drama societies mm. and mm. I would just cycle around all day. I'd do my shift, cycle oh. around auditioning for things, doing oh. plays, learning lines, going back, cleaning all the loos yeah. and chasing Ed around. Yeah, but Ed, <laughs> Ed, yeah. yeah. So Ed was a st- your husband-to-be was a student at Cambridge. Yes, he was. he's proper clever and... Yes. He was there doing it properly. What does he do? He was doing law then. Yeah. But he's a writer. Oh. Yeah. And then we went off to Bristol Old Vic Drama School together. And then we sort of, you know, the food is love thing. We've, yeah. We went to Thai restaurants and discovered new food together. And yeah. um, there's a Thai restaurant in Cambridge and it was so delicious. We, we took it back with us. We asked, it's the first ever time I've asked for a doggy bag and I didn't want to leave any of it and we left it on his windowsill outside, putting arms out the window yeah. and going, oh my God, it's amazing. The lemongrass and the yeah. coconut milk. and So Cambridge and then you started acting more and more and you went to Bristol. Yeah. And when you actually then started working in the theatre, that must have sort of changed your way of eating. Did it give you a routine or did it give you restrictions on what you could have and well once and we left bristol and we were working you know trying to earn our keep as actors mm. i did a, my first few plays and things i think i ate quite late mm-hmm. after the show because you're after. sort of on a high mm-hmm. certainly wanted to have a drink afterwards mm. when i worked at um, the noel coward theater right next to Sheikis, yeah with uh, amy morgan and phoebe wallabridge the three of us would sort of go to Shiki's afterwards and sit outside. And I think we all smoked then. And we would order the little croquettes and the scallop burgers. Mm. Oh. <laughs> and that was a treat. And just drink... Remember, with, what year was this? This would have been... Um, after Iron Lady, because that's when I first met Phoebe, which was Meryl Streep playing mm. Margaret Thatcher... So a couple of years after that, three years after that, I yeah. don't know. I'm so bad with dates. Yeah. But you can remember what you ate at Shiki's yeah, at midnight. Rem- yeah. Yes. Yeah. Phoebe loves food, doesn't oh, she? Oh, she does. She's a good eater. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. really annoying that she's so tall and lean and she loves eating. Oh, no. You, you know, it's annoying. It's annoying. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I will agree. But so you were eating out. So when you... Because it's interesting, you know... We'd also get you, picnics. Would you eat before? You, if you were in a matinee, would you eat matinee, before? matinee, we'd sometimes have a, a, a picnic on the floor mm. of one of our dressing rooms. Mm. So go to, you know, get sort of little little cheeses and meats and pretend we were mm. having a... A normal yes. life and not going back on stage in, a, yeah. in 45 minutes. Were there minutes. men involved as well? Was it mostly the female? It was mostly just the three of us. The girls. Yeah. yeah, and we'd have a kip. We'd sort yeah. of put... We had some roll-out mattresses that we could put on the floor and we'd have a snooze and mm. eat nice food. And then do the matinee. Do you think that it binds you together, food? When you when you go on a set and you know that you're meeting... You know, I don't know if the, all the other actors were friends of yours before. Yeah. But does it... Is it something that holds you all together? What, before... Covid happened. Right. Everyone would eat together on the dining bus, right. and I loved that. And you were eating with the crew, and what did you go for? What did you go for? And you know, having a lovely time together. 
so social and then time to sort of all be equal and to let your hair down. Mm. And then now the dining bus hasn't really come back. And so people sort of eat separately. And that's such a shame. And you sort of sit on your own in your little van. And um, I miss that very much. Hopefully it will come back. But also sometimes, you know, some actors are having to have a particularly strict diet because they've got to look a certain way. And that's sort of awful. And you try and hide the the pudding option that you went for. (laughs) How how does weight and physical appearance with food, how does that affect your work? I was just talking to someone who's coming to London to be in a movie, and his assistant said to me that he has a nutritionist and a trainer because he's Mm. on a very special diet for the film. And I thought, wow, that'd be interesting. I'd like to know about that because maybe I could go on that without the (laughs) nutritionist. And and it turned out that he was actually eating 8,000 calories a day because he had to gain so much weight. It was completely the reverse, you know. And I just was wondering how that, you know, when you were, for instance, when you... Queen Anne. Okay, Queen Anne. Queen Anne, I had to put on weight. You had to put on weight. So I put on about two stone. Did you? And how did you do that? That, I mean, that's easy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't need a nutritionist or a trainer. No, I didn't need anyone to tell me how to do that. I can do that in my sleep. But, um, you know, when Rachel and and Emily, Emma, are are very healthy, clean eaters anyway. They they love food, but it's sort of clean food. So um, while they had their healthy options mm. I would say I'll have one of everything and all of the puddings yeah and if you don't want that I'll have that yeah it started actually to be a little bit quite quite gloomy I thought it'd be oh god what fun yeah. being told to put on weight but um I can put on weight quite quickly and so it starts to feel oh yeah I don't actually want another pizza yeah or another I know I'm gonna have to take it all off at the end you know and uh, and how did you take it off just the old-fashioned eating yeah. a lot less and yeah. trying to move more yeah but it was boring and hard mm. and and she loved to eat queen Anne. she oh, was yeah. an eater wasn't she yeah, yeah she was i mean she did was it 15 pregnancies she'd had and 17 well it 17? or maybe but I, in, when i watched the film again it said yeah, that no, she'd I, lost I seven, in it. I can't she'd lost she'd lost 17 babies that's right yeah that is, that's, her eldest one had lasted to had got to 10 years old yeah. so they had varying degrees of ages but i think food for her was yeah she was um, apparently clinically obese and uh, oh, she? and yeah, yeah. You know, eat comfort food and what about playing the queen and the queen, crown the queen well, she, was very different now yeah? and she was tiny so mm. I did have to she had a tiny waist mm. and I don't have a tiny waist so I mm. did they were very sweet they got me a trainer mm-hmm. before I started mm. and then thankfully by my second season I, she was a bit older and didn't have such a tiny waist so I was mm. allowed to mm. <laughs> but did let she... go a little bit did, did you feel playing her and the research into the life post-war so yes. completely restrictive and different from what the voluptuousness and the time yes, of Queen totally Anne? Different. So what was that like? What was your sense of food in the palace and food in the monarchy and food for being queen? What was, well, I think was, when they had, um, I mean, this is, you know, the only stuff that I remember mm. from what we did, but whenever there was there were people coming to visit, sort of big... Uh, mm. must entertain the heads of state things it was all beautiful lovely food but because she'd remembered rations and everything yeah that's... she she was never irresponsible about you know, too much food she ate quite sort of uh um circ- circumspect frugally, frugally. Mm. um and she did maintain and she was very healthy and outdoorsy mm. and she maintained a, a sort of neat little figure which mm. doesn't come from 
copious amounts of food. So I think she was quite conservative about pleasure. Food. I mean, the, yeah, it's interesting that you know you wonder what yeah. pleasure there was in. Yeah, you know, you could see the kings of France and the Italians, and you wonder whether the yeah. British aristocracy had. I could probably they probably did. You know, those country houses. Then yeah, uh, you just wonder about the palace, whether eating and food was fun. I hope so. Yeah. I hope they enjoy it. (laughs) I hope they enjoy it now. I think with King Charles, I think that that family probably is more interested in food. Yeah, because of, yes, the lovely organic vegetables Mm. and... Yeah. yeah, and Camilla's son, Tom Barker Bowles, is a food. Of course, you know, yeah, he writes foodie. about food. Yeah, yeah. Go to cookbook. Well, hopefully, they have and great. Go to, I wonder if they go to restaurants though. I don't know. Yeah, I just think that's probably they, quite a hard thing to do, isn't it? Maybe. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Help helps is a maxim I believe in. We all carry around stress and hardship, and when we keep it inside, it starts to chip away. Therapy is a safe place, and therapy is for everyone. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Visit betterhelp.com slash Ruthie today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ruthie. Betterhelp.com slash Ruthie. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Do you cook at home? Is this passion for food something that you love to eat but I not love eating. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. I'm a very good guest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. When I first left home, my mum gave me a Delia Smith yeah, sort of good. complete yeah. cookbook, which was amazing. And do you know, I, I think she's good. Really, I do. She was in the restaurant not long ago. Oh, really? And I thought she really taught a generation to cook. All those... Lovely sort of staples. Mm. I learnt that from yeah. from her recipe book. So your mom gave you this book, and yeah, and so I loved cooking for my two flatmates, mm. Debbie and Olivia. Yeah, and we, that was the only cookbook we had. And we would. I loved also. I started to really enjoy going to the shop and going to buy, and because we were on such a tight budget, we'd picture meals and buy for the meals, not just mm. you know mm. anything off the shelf. Fancy that, and I really enjoyed that, and I enjoyed. And sometimes it was just a jacket potato mm. with loads of butter mm. and cheese. 
mm. yeah. and but I really enjoyed the us all eating together and yeah. you know feeding each other. So you have three children yes. and you work and sometimes you don't. Yeah, it can be home or you have do have to shop. So what is like? You told us what it, food was like in your parents and your yeah. grandparents. If I were to knock on the door, what is food like? Well, if you in were to home? knock on the door I'm now, I'm coming. You'd be, yeah, yeah, I'm you coming. Sh- you should. I am because now yeah. <laughs> we have. I still struggle with saying it because I feel a bit um, sort of embarrassed. Yeah. But we have a really lovely nanny now. <gasps> I know. <laughs> we sort of had to um, because That's we good. suddenly both started working That's much nice. more. Yeah. yeah, she's an incredible cook. Is she? Okay, so, I'm definitely coming then. Yeah, you should. Yeah, and you all sit down to dinner. We always sit together and eat. Yeah, yeah. Um, nice. when we can. Sometimes the kids are doing late things at school, yeah, but sure. and we have we do a Sunday roast every Sunday. We're so boring. Nice. <laughs> and do you take them on holidays on food holidays? Do you yeah, think? we took the kids to sort of holiday of a lifetime to Sri Lanka just before lockdown, and just ate the most incredible food three times a day, curry yeah. three times a day. Yeah. What was that like? Because we travelled around with the kids and our two oldest are really adventurous. They've mm. always, we've, tr- we've always included them with all the food mm. we have and um, when we have curry, we always make one that's slightly less spicy mm. and they sort of, they love it now and the boys love mm. spice. And so we'd, when we were travelling around, our little one really wasn't, wasn't thrilled, but mm. she was only four at the time. Yeah. So she ate plain pasta wherever yeah, we went rice. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. right, plain rice and we would have egg hoppers and the string hoppers for breakfast and the the dals and the um coconut sambal and all these yeah. beautiful things we would eat and they loved it as well it does tell you about a country doesn't it it yeah. tells you what's growing and yeah tell, yeah our middle boy um he's he became obsessed with japan when he was very little mm. and he did a um a sushi course mm. and he makes beautiful sushi and ramen he does three day ramen wow. it does take yeah days and makes his days own noodles and days. And, yeah. yeah and actually Ed is taking the two boys uh, for a cookery course when they before our eldest yeah. goes to university yeah so they're doing a little week together a little boys week doing learning yeah. to cook do you feel when you're away and you're working do you feel that your work takes you away from some people you love and well you know how does that work ed and i've been together 30 years and up until covid i'd only ever been away the longest i've been away was two weeks because mm. i just don't take jobs away yeah. from home okay let's stop there yeah. so then you you think about accepting a movie or yeah a, a play or something that will keep you away from home yeah i mm. just i get terribly homesick mm. i never used to be able to sleep very well if ed wasn't there mm. and now I think we're yeah. probably, you know, I'm at an age where sleep is is harder anyway. Yeah. So actually, it's quite you go a night away. Yeah, I'll, I'll get a great yeah. night's sleep. But I also I missed the kids. You know, yeah. I wanted to be there, and so I was very lucky that uh, I had the option of great work in the UK, and I didn't mm. have to go away. And then, well, lost daughter. Yeah, I was going to say, was that six weeks? Six weeks. Yeah. So suddenly went from you know, yeah. The yeah. six weeks away, which is, I think, why we all behaved so badly, because we all adored each other, got on so well, and yeah. thought, hey, Another we're point. here, we're in a beautiful place. Yeah. Did the kids come out or not? No, because we weren't allowed to, because if they came, they'd have to quarantine for 14 oh, days. Oh, I see, if there'd be no point. Yeah. So we'd all meet up, we were each other's family, and yeah. I know uh, Dagmara was really missing her family, mm. and, and I really understood that feeling. So I said, you'll be back on the school run before you know it. Yeah. 
and they don't know that you're miserable or happy, so just go for happy and do have a nice time. Do you think the men on, on film who are in the same actors feel that way as well? Do you think they know that their wife is home with well, the kids and it's all going to I've be... always struggled with this male-female thing, mm. I think. Ideally, if you're all brought up the same, you mm. are the same. It's mm. only conditioning that, that mm-hmm. makes this thing male-female. Yeah. So all the men I know and love struggle with being away from yeah. home and they miss you know yeah. the ones I'm not that impressed by yeah. have a ball and yeah but I think that's the same with some women as well yeah. you know love being away it's I don't think it's a gender thing I think it's a conditioning thing but mm. people I'm ask going me to get if shot women down cook by different no no people ask me if women uh chefs cook differently from male chefs and I always try and avoid that they really want you to say that women cook with more care or more sensitivity and men are a bit more and it's not true it's not, and, and it's I, not fair know, to the men that we all fair, know yeah, and love exactly. and I know plenty of yeah. really uncaring women and plenty yeah, exactly. of incredibly emotional you know kind mm, men mm. and now you're doing a movie about chocolate is that right? Oh, God, yes. Are you allowed to talk about that? Willy Wonka and the chocolate. Yeah. So what was that like in terms of chocolate? And Oh, and they had a, a chocolatier. Mm-hmm. But when I went to have, you know, for fittings and things, they said, come and look at what this chocolate has made for us. Mm. And these chocolates were exquisite. And he said, uh, you can eat them all. I mean, often if it's going to be a prop, yeah, then why you know, bother making yeah. it? But yeah. then he was so, nice. such a master. He insisted that it had to taste beautiful. Mm. And you'd be, oh, my, more salted caramel. Mm. Oh, these are <laughs> incredible. And they were brightly coloured and amazing shapes. Mm. And every one of them you could have eaten and it would have been incredible. I wish the audience could see your smile. Because, <laughs> you I know, every food. time you talk about food, your face lights up. And, you know, you sort of remember oh, things that you ate and places mm. that you've eaten. And the first yeah. time I had truffle. Yeah, a white truffle. Oh, just any truffle. Any truffle. And now we have we have a little jar with a truffle and every now and then. Yeah. You know, over scrambled egg or yeah. oh, on oh. a mushroom pasta. Yeah. You know, food is love and food is alleviating hunger and food is curiosity or traveling or discovering. Food is also comfort. And I was wondering if there's a food that you would turn to, something you'd either make or buy. Olivia Coleman, wonderful person that you are. <laughs> and I hope you don't need comfort very often because you give such joy. I mean, when you came in the restaurant today, we've had all sorts of you know, people come in and they're great. They're politicians or, you know, actors or writers or doctors or whatever. And you just, I could just see everybody look up and be so happy you were oh. there. Really happy that you were there. Oh. It was It was really great to see. And course i joined them in saying thank you so much oh, so would think. you come back again yeah yeah okay <laughs> we'll do it more and meanwhile will you tell me and tell who's ever listening what would be the comfort food you turn to my comfort food uh is sort of a one spoon thing mm-hmm. and it's tarkadal i ah. could eat that all day every day okay tarkadal Tell me what tarkadal is. Can you just tell people who might not know what it is? So it's a lentils, which are soft, and there's garlic, and I think the tadka is the tempered mm-hmm. thing on the top. I've never made it, okay. <laughs> but I am a connoisseur okay. of eating it. Yeah, and it is my favourite thing. I always order um, if we have a takeaway or yeah. delivery. I order much more tarkadal than mm. we need. So I can have it cold for breakfast and mm. have it reheated again for lunch the next day. Okay. I just love it. Love I could eat it I'm going to every go try day. that. But <gasps> oh, I you'll love say it. That I was surprised because I was sure you were going to say 
toast and butter. I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> Don't be sorry. <laughs> but I will come and have that takada. I'll knock oh, on your door. Yes. And thank you so oh much my God, thank for you coming. For me. And now you're going to go and have food. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you can have lunch and you can eat and eat and eat. Oh, thank and you. Thank you so much. The River Cafe Lookbook is now available in bookshops and online. It has over 100 recipes beautifully illustrated with photographs from the renowned photographer Matthew Donaldson. The book has 50 delicious and easy to prepare recipes, including a host of River Cafe classics that have been specially adapted for new cooks. The River Cafe Lookbook, recipes for cooks of all ages. Ruthie's Table 4 is a production of iHeartRadio and Atomize Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.